This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Today, we are going to talk about how do leaders find the high-performance vehicles in themselves and inside the people who work for them. Now, you might be saying, high-performance vehicles? What are you talking about? Like like F1? Like NASCAR? Absolutely, because that is where our next guest comes from. Our guest today is Mike Mooney, and he is a speaker who really helps teams really look at how they find their high performance. And his background was that he worked on brand strategy, marketing, crisis communication, brand building for drivers. That's kind of cool. And he did that for a lot of different companies and sponsors in the world of motorsports. What he does now is he works with leaders to create cultures of peak performance. Hey, Mike. Welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Hey, Tom. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time here with you today. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I'm looking forward to it, too. And we're going to get some real tips on getting to that high performance. But before we get started, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Stanton Chase International. One of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build their senior leadership teams. So if your company needs to expand or add somebody to your senior leadership team, really, you should be looking at executive search because finding the wrong person, that would really suck. So you want to make sure that you're getting the right person on your team. And that's why a company like Stanton Chase International really is who you should be working with. So if you want to learn more about Stanton Chase, just reach out to me because I work with Stanton Chase International and I will help pair you up with the greatest person in the world for your industry. All right. So, Mike, let's talk a little bit about your background. It's not every day someone comes out of the world of motorsports. And yet I live in Austin, Texas, where the best F1 track, Formula One track in the world is located. So I have probably gone to the Coda race that's uh, every fall in Austin, Texas. I've probably been there four or five times over the years, over the 10 years they've been doing it here. So let's talk about motorsports and how you ended up in that field. That that is awesome. By the way, it was a very very apropos that you're talking about the sponsor and thanking your sponsor right for your podcast as drivers would thanking their sponsors on their race cars, man. So I th- I thought you did that just for me. Was that just for me? <laughs> no, I, I I thank the sponsors every time, but I don't have patches all over my body that say Stanton Chase you, International. You may want to think about that, man. You know, it's all about the the placement. You get the high visibility placement on the wall, man. I, we'll we'll talk after. We'll put a whole sponsor strategy together for you, man. It'll be it'll be great. Perfect, be great. perfect, perfect. So, how did you yeah. get into how did you get into motorsports? Oh man, it, it's it's like uh, yeah, many stories. You know, I started there my my second job out of college and. 
25 plus years later, you have still in it and still going in circles, so to speak, you know, but it was just a great opportunity I had uh, early on started in a public relations firm uh, and then evolved into more marketing and brand strategy work. So when when brands would invest tens of millions of dollars in the sport, it was my job to help them build a strategy to bring that sponsorship to life in a way that would be credible, authentic and relevant right to the brand and also the consumer or, you know, if it was a B2B play, whatever it might be. But it was really about understanding what they were looking to get out of the investment and then figuring out the, the right pieces to sort of put together to, uh, to bring a sponsorship to life and, and get that return on the investment. So how did you make the leap into being a speaker? You, I met you through the National Speakers Association. I know you're out there talking to companies and associations about peak performance. How, how did you make that transition? Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Uh, my the last couple of years that I was in the sport, maybe the last like seven or eight, uh, I started doing more speaking uh, within organizations for, for the the sponsors that we'd have. You know, they would say, hey, "Mike, you know, you're with the race team, or you're with our agency. Would you come in and talk about you know this topic around racing, uh, whatever it might be?" And I really, really enjoyed it. And at the time, I was writing a book called Reputation Shift because a lot of my work was involved in crisis management and reputation management. And we often found in, in racing that it was always the what now, oh crap, instead of the what if. Um, and I wanted to really uh, write a book that was going to focus on the proactive side of, of building, strengthening one of our greatest assets. So when I realized that the speaking part was really getting traction, pun intended, um, internally uh, with the organizations that I had this book coming out, I said, you know what? I think uh, I'd like to take this this show on the road uh, and and do it do it on my own. Plus, it was nice getting some weekends back too, man. I, I won't lie, you know, I've been to over eight hundred races, and um, it, it's nice to watch a few on TV. Nice, nice. <laughs> All right, so yeah, when we think of racing and we think of peak performance, I mean, we're taking you know they're they're fine tuning those cars and the drivers are fine tuning their own mindset down to these little teeny little tweaks that really make make a big yeah. difference. So. Why aren't people doing that in business? Why why would you say that people aren't really chasing their peak performance and making those little tweaks? Yeah, man, you know, it's, it's a great question because there's a saying in racing that sometimes you have to slow down in order to speed up, right? And it sounds very counterintuitive, especially in racing where you, wait a minute, we want to slow down in order to gain speed? Well, well yes, because there are times when a driver may over overdrive into a corner and they're scrubbing speed while I think that they're doing everything they should be doing. But the reality is that they're not hitting their marks. And it's not too different than, than people or leaders, right? I mean, Tom, when you think about it, you know, we're just constantly running and running on the hamster wheel. And I've just found over those 25 years of working with championship level drivers and teams, right? That they've figured out the places where they need to slow down, the places where they need to, you know, continue to refine those, those high performance vehicles, their race cars. And that was kind of that light bulb moment for me to be quite honest with you, man, is that, Hey, you know, we were all intentionally designed to be high performance vehicles. Yet how often are we really and intentionally making the time to, to, you know, fine tune and fix and restore and innovate ourselves. So I love that comment. We were all designed to be high performance vehicles. So can we go a little bit deeper on that? What, what do you mean by that and why? I mean, it sounds like a great throwaway line, but I know there's more to it. 
Well, th- there is maybe because I, I believe that at my core, that we were all intentionally designed and built to be high performance vehicles. Yet, unfortunately, we often play in our head the fact that we're a clunker, we're a lemon, we're too banged up, we're not fast enough. Maybe we've been in the race too long. Maybe I can't make another lap. I don't know what to do next. Right. And that keeps us truly, you know, confined and not allowing that greatness that we all have within us, especially if you're talking about your audience and, and being leaders of organizations where people are looking up to and looking to you for, for direction and inspiration. Uh, how often do we let those loops play in our heads to believe that we are less than that we, that we should be running in the back of the pack instead of being up front where the other winners are. So to me, you know, it really comes down to a fundamental belief of, of what we were designed to be and moving past our own self-limiting thoughts. So I know one of the topics you talk a lot about is mindset, and we've covered that on this show many different times, but I always like people's different sort of viewpoints about it. So when we look at like a race car driver and their mindset, what are some of the traits that we see in a race car driver? And then let's accompany that back to, you know, an executive or a salesperson or something like that. Yeah, for sure. You know, there, there are a couple of, a couple of key things that, that, that come to mind in, in that area. The first is the, the power of control. Okay. When you think about a driver, they are focused on controlling the the race car, the things that are happening around them. But the reality is that they can't. They can't control all the things that are happening around them, much like leaders. Okay. There's the parallel, right? When, When you're in a position where you're trying to make something happen or you're in a stressful situation where you need to try to make something happen because you don't like what's happening to you, we often try to exert control over the situation or the people around us. And man, I don't know about you, but my experience has always been that the more I try to control things around me, the more it becomes like piles of, of crap. It doesn't turn out the way that I want it to, or, or I see it turning into. Um, so the reality is, and when you think about that from a driver's perspective, there are only three things that they can truly control. And, and it's their attitude, their decisions, and their behavior. You see that, that is a fundamental shift of how they're operating in the world around them. They're coming at it from the inside out coming from a place of what is their attitude then dictating to their decisions to the ultimate you know, outcome, which is their behavior versus how we often operate, which especially in stressful situations, you feel like you're in the matrix, right? And you're just dodging, you know, dodging bullets and, and trying to trying to react to what's happening to you. So it's the idea of being intentional and proactive versus reactive and on, on your heels. So there's only three things they can, they can control as a driver and that's their attitude uh, their decisions and their behavior. So they right. can't control what the other drivers are doing. Is that right? No, no you can't. And, and not only that, the drivers, but you're dealing with the racetrack, the racetrack conditions will change, right? You're dealing with your own equipment. I mean, what, what happens on um, pit road, you come in for a pit stop and a lug nut gets hung up in, in the air gun or the jack comes off too soon and the tire isn't quite seated on, on the hub, right? What happens if a mechanical piece breaks, if you overheat? There are so many factors. And, and again, relate that back to leadership and business. There are so many factors that if we were trying to control and get wadded up and all of the, the minutiae and details, we would, we would be spending all day just trying to control everything versus realizing that I can only control what's coming out of here. And ultimately then what people experience when, when they engage with me, that's it. So for uh, executives and business professionals, 
you know, they can't, there's so many different things that, that they can't control, but we get back to this idea of attitude. And when I think of professional yeah. sports players, when I think of people who are, who are really at the top of their game in any sport, they usually yeah. have that ability, that great attitude. I watched the movie King Richard and it was very interesting, um, you know, as, you know, we were watching uh, the, the sort of the growth of Venus and Serena in the tennis world that with, with Venus, even when she was under pressure, when she was down four games, she was able to step back, center herself and go mm-hmm. on and, and play at the top, top level. And yeah. many professional athletes are able to do that. Why isn't yeah. that something that's as common in business? I mean, I've seen, you know, things go awry and, you know, CEO throws a chair. He's not able to just pull himself back. Why, why is that? Yeah, and, and we've seen athletes who will go ahead and throw a chair, or in some cases throw a helmet or run their car into somebody else, right? We're, we're human, right? And sometimes our, our humanness creates more of a human mess, you know, but, but that's just part of being in, in, in this game, right? I, I th- you know, it's a great question. I think part of it, is, is that leaders are often trained on the operational outcomes of how to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, and, and quite often the idea of really maximizing your other operational tool, which is your mind, um, doesn't always get the attention, my opinion, that it should or could, uh, even at the collegiate level, you know, or in training programs going up. But I, I think it really comes down to awareness and, and leaders really recognizing the power that if they have an expectation of excellence in their mind of, okay, I can handle what's coming at me because I'm going to be a little more in control of my own attitude than my decisions and behavior and, and recognizing the impact, having that awareness. Uh, that's the other part, awareness um, of those things. I, I think that there's an opportunity. There's definitely an opportunity for leaders to step into that. So another thing when I think about it, I don't follow Formula One very closely. I follow it one week a year when they're all here in Austin, but <laughs> but they, they race almost every week. I mean, there's a crazy amount of races in Formula One, you know, all over the world. They're packing up their cars and they're flying them to Dubai after they're in, you know, North America or whatever. And here's the yeah. interesting thing is that when a race is over, yes, you go back like football, you watch the tape, you learn what you did, mm-hmm. but- professional athletes have a great way of letting go of what happened yesterday. Is that something that business people should be able to do as well? well they, they should. They, they should. <laughs> in, in theory, in theory, they should. But again, being human, sometimes we latch on. And one of the other areas, Tom, you know, this is a great segue uh, that I speak on, especially around this idea of hyper becoming that high performance vehicle and embracing that is, is the power of emotion. Right. You just hit it on the head. It's the power of emotion. And and we have to recognize that emotions are a signal of a feeling. That's it. They're not right or wrong. They're just a signal of a feeling. The challenge is when we let that feeling, that emotion become a state of being, that's when we see things start to unravel fast. Right. Because that becomes, you know, anger, resentment, frustration, depression, uh, all those those things, if, if we let that emotion sit too long. So the takeaway in that is the idea of how do I how do I recognize the emotion for what it is and, and the feeling? But then how quickly can I move to action? Because action is when we release that emotion in the way that can be most productive for ourselves and our teams versus keeping it in and it becoming a state of being. All right. So that's a great transition into my next question. Cause I want to ask well, you I, about, I, 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 can I, can I tell you a story about that though? Please. 
Kenneth, okay, so here's here's a it's a great story. Now, for the, the your your listeners who may be familiar with NASCAR, they'll remember the 2001 Daytona 500. If you're not, you may recognize the name Dale Earnhardt Sr. Okay, and that was the race that was shaping up to be the Cinderella race where you had Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. He had three cars, and they were Michael Waltrip, his son uh, Dale Jr., and then Dale Sr. And they were running one, two, three in that order, coming in the last lap at a turn four. And that's when Dale Sr. unfortunately uh, got tapped. His car went up into the wall and, and he was um, unfortunately killed. And we, and we lost a legend that day. But as you fast forward, the sport came under intense scrutiny by the global media because of, of, of what an icon Dale was. You know, questions of its safety, questions of the, too fast. Should they be racing at all? You know, all these questions really coming down on the sport. And Bill France Jr. was the chairman at the time. His father started NASCAR back in 1948. And um, they were in a really tough spot. They hired in a gentleman by the name of Jody Powell. So Jody Powell used to be the press secretary for Jimmy Carter, lived in D.C., big time crisis manager. He came in and I had the opportunity to, to speak with Jody. Uh, we became friends. But after this event, about a year after, we were in, in Daytona at the 500. And I asked him, I said, man, what was that whole experience like? He said, well, listen, we had this one meeting on a Saturday morning when Bill took all of us in and all the senior executives. And he was, he it was blistering. Okay. A lot of profanity, as you can imagine, but the fact that his sport was being, uh, you know, questioned, he lost a friend, all the emotions were coming out. He was really sitting on the emotions. He's like, Mike, this was the kind of meeting where people were like counting ceiling, ceiling tiles, you know, they're staring at their shoes, right? But he, Mr. Francis kept going and going and nobody dared to say a word. But it was in one moment, Jody said, I leaned in when Mr. Francis took a breath. And he said, with all due respect, Mr. France, being pissed off isn't a strategy. And he said in that moment, Bill took a breath, looked around and he said, you know what? You're right. So what are we going to do? And I love that story because, I mean, how many of us can relate to when something happens to us, right? And we just get so pissed off, right? But being pissed off isn't a strategy. So what is the strategy? How can we move to action? Awesome. Well, like I said, that's a good a good transition into talking about sort of what it is you do with the clients that you work with. However, first, I've got to thank the other sponsor of this episode. <laughs> so right now we're going to put on the hat. I'm going to put on the jacket. It all says Podfly Productions because this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound awesome Hey, Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in business like Mike Mooney. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Mike, what is it? What are the ways that you help leaders pull out that high performance inside themselves and inside their team? Yeah, so uh, a great question. By the way, you are fantastic with these read-ins. I mean, uh, for your first podcast, I can't believe how good you are. This is great. Yeah, it's my first. Yeah, it's the first episode I've ever done of any show. Yeah, for, right. For those listening, most people know I, I host four different podcasts, three of which I'm the the outside paid host. So if your company 
wants to have a great podcast with really good read-ins and you need a host and Becky from accounting isn't available to host your podcast, uh, (laughs) you should hire me to host that show. But you may be available. I know a guy. I I, know know a guy. Yeah. So, so what I'm doing now is, you know, I pivoted out of, of motorsports about four years ago, Tom, to, to start this, uh, you know, next chapter in, in my life. And the idea is that, you know, I love working with inspired leaders who want to create cultures of high performers that then drive the traction that they're looking for throughout their entire company. So if you think about it, you can have all the horsepower in the world. You can have the best people. You can, you can have the resources, the applications, the technology and all that. But if you don't have traction, you're doing to spin your wheels, right? And I mean, it looks cool doing burnouts, right? <laughs> Tires are screaming and smoke. Engines roaring, but not a lot's getting done, right? Things are just getting worn out. So I work with, with leaders to really help bring their teams in the conversation around four key areas. And that's continuous improvement peak performance, mindset, and reputation. Awesome. So let's let's pick one of those. What do you do when you go in and work with a team? Okay, so let's go with uh, continuous improvement. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start there for 200. Uh, so that's a, a one of my, my favorite places because it's where we get to kind of dig in and, and really get people to think about the business and their role in the business a little bit differently. See, what I've been hearing from a lot of leaders over and during COVID is like, look, Mike, we need to be continuing to focus on the business, but I don't want to sound like the tone deaf jackass telling people we got to keep focusing on the business when their people seem and feel a little disconnected. They're trying to get their legs under them. They're trying to figure out where do I re-engage in this world right now, you know, myself as well as the business. So that's why, you know, this conversation in particular around, you know, continuous improvement is great because we're going to start around this idea of, you know, where do we find 1% daily improvement? Like, let's look at the process. Let's look at the work we're doing to find that 1% of daily improvement that will then create the compounding impact of day after day after day growth. And that's what race teams do. I mean, that, that's one of one of the hallmarks of champions is every day trying to find where's that 1%. You know, so for for example... Uh, Jeff Gordon and Ray Everham, one of the best driver crew chief combinations in NASCAR history, certainly like ruled the 90s in, in NASCAR. Um, Ray Everham challenged his team to figure out where can we find our one percenters, right? Which meant that looking at the car and its pieces, how often do we look at our business in its totality? Like, here's my product. Here's what we do. But what if we took the time to break our roles down into a process and the steps to figure out where's the opportunity that I can get this 1% better that's going to drive, whether it's better margin, whether it's better revenue, whether it's better retention, whether it's better new business growth, like where could that be? So in Ray's case, his team guys came back, um, and, you know, on the, the fabrication side and said, Hey, what if we, what if we took these, nuts and bolts here, right? And what if we shaved off the end threads that we don't really need anymore? And if you think about that, that's such a tiny little step, Tom, but when you've got dozens and dozens of bolts on these cars back then, you're literally finding pounds, pounds of reduction from there that you go to your aerodynamicist and your aero team and say, hey, we just found 10 pounds. You can put it anywhere you want on the car now. 
right? That's a gift. Those are the little tweaks that when you combine that in other departments, think about that for your business. So you have each group trying to find their 1% and suddenly what seems like a small little, little get becomes an enormous competitive advantage for you, for your organization. Nice. So it's things like that, man. It's just really slowing people down to think about that. Looking at how drivers, like how do they find two tenths of a second on a mile and a half racetrack? How do you find that when two tenths is like a snap of the finger? So let's take this back to the business world. How do we find yeah. that continuous improvement in our teams? That, that's, that's, and it's by bringing them into conversation to challenge them to say, where can we find that? You know, in racing, what the teams will do to find that speed is they take the track and they break it up into sections, right? So they'll take the race, a, a four-cornered track and break it up into eight sections to see how and where is the car and the driver best performing or not performing very well? And where do we, where can we get some gains, right? So it's really a matter of people slowing down and leaders slowing their people down intentionally to say, let's, especially now, let's look at our process. Let's look at the areas of engagement. Let's look at the areas of, of operations. And this is really more around the idea of saying, you know, I'm going to get really granular in my work because I can find opportunities to grow, especially in this time, man, where, you know, we are having to evolve the way that we're working together and then with our clients in this changing landscape. Very nice. Very nice. So as we wrap this up, what Mm -hmm. are some thoughts around achieving peak performance about finding, turning yourself into that high performance vehicle? What are some other points that you wish every business person knew? Well, I think, again, if if you want to talk about the person in in here, I think the other key areas are going to be around the idea of releasing the self-restricting behaviors that we have, right? That's this area of performance. Uh, I call them restrictor plates, if you're familiar with that from the racing days on the engines, right? Remove the restrictor plates. Think about the habits that you have going on right now in your life that are keeping you from performing at the level that you want to perform at. Think about your your self-talk, right? The words that you use to communicate to yourself. I really believe, Tom, that are, that really like what we say to ourselves is way more important than what we, what we say to anybody else around us because it's going to inform the words we use for ourselves inform the way that we are going to have an experience and more importantly, how people will experience us. You know, and I guess the third part would be just be, be mindful of your reputation. You know, we, we're living in a world where our reputations have never been more valuable, yet fragile and vulnerable because of the hyper connectivity that we're living in and how quickly, you know, we, we've all become citizens journalists with these things now. Right. And recognizing that our reputations are either going to blow open doors of opportunity or they're going to padlock those doors shut. So what are you doing each day? I often tell people that, you know, you earn your reputation every single day. But you got to ask yourself, what did I earn today? Right? So I would ask people just to be mindful, leaders especially, mindful of, the, of, of your reputation that you're building. Awesome. So Mike Mooney, if somebody wanted to find out more about you, about the speaking and training workshops that you do, where do they find you? Well, you can find me at MikeMooney.com or you can just simply email me at Mike at MikeMooney.com. You can go there. You can find me on LinkedIn as well, on social media. You can find me all around, but I would love to you know, have conversations with inspired leaders that really want to re-engage, rev up and inspire their teams to become those high performing vehicles that you know that they are. Rev, you know rev, they are. Rev up. I got that. See, the one thing that. about coming out of the industry you're in and now speaking to business, you have a lot of great analogies because, you know, <laughs> you've got you've got revving up, you've got traction, you've got fuel, you've got spinning your wheels, you've got the finish line, you got the pit crew. You just never will run out of analogies that you can use to define what you're teaching. 
It's, that's the beauty of it, man. I, didn't even, I haven't even started with ignition. That's, ah, that's the other one. Ah, but I'm telling ah. you, man, it's, it's, it's all there. And doing it through the lens of racing, it's fun, it's fresh, and people really do lean into the conversation. Nice. Well, it's time to downshift and put on the brakes on this episode. So <laughs> see go. what I did right there? There we go. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for being a guest. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we do this podcast? So do me a favor. Make sure that you leave one of those fancy little reviews on Apple, on Stitcher, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast joy. But more importantly, go tell people about it. Go make a post. Hey, this podcast, one person told me your podcast sucks less than other podcasts. I'm like, hey, that should be that should be on my like sponsor jacket right there. So go ahead and let people know the show exists because the only way people find podcasts nowadays is really through word of mouth. Word of mouth is still a powerful way. So go, go share it. Uh, and then come back twice a week. We interview really cool people who are making waves in business like Mike Mooney and Go out there while you're flexing your business muscles, doing all the great things that you do. Make sure you're having some fun along the way. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.